Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the On The Run podcast. My name is Devin Dorn. Alongside me, as always, my friend and co-host, Aiden Stanky. Let's go, Dorney. Episode 10. I'm so excited for this one. We got a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of stuff has happened since we last talked about the landscape of the NBA, the playoffs. Um, here we are in the basement, face-to-face again. Let's do it. Uh, you and I just played our first round of golf together of the year. Uh, just nine holes, but uh, we got out there finally. Beautiful morning. I didn't shoot quite as well as I maybe would have hoped, but you know what can you expect on the first round of the year? How do you think you shot? You said you hadn't touched a club in six weeks, hey? Yeah, I haven't touched a club in six weeks. I went out there, I shot 45 today, so I think that's that's okay for me. Um, you know, that would have been a 90. I, I usually try to aim to be anywhere in the 80s. Uh, my best round ever has been a 79, but uh, usually if I'm shooting not in the 80s, I'll be a little upset at the end, but I think I hit the ball pretty well. A lot of screw-ups, you know. I've had a couple times today where I was putting for birdie and end up with bogey, three putts. So, But no, it was only the second second round of the year since I've been home, so lots of room for improvement. And I didn't keep score after hole one, so that just goes to show how my, my round went. But anyway, uh, on today's show, Aiden and I will be recapping the first round of the NBA playoffs. Specifically, we'll be looking at the four most interesting round one matchups in our eyes. There were a couple series in this first round where, let's face it, uh, it wasn't the most interesting basketball. You kind of knew it was going to happen before uh, before the series even started. We might touch on those at the end if we have time, but for the most part, we're going to focus on four series. Really excited for this one. So the first round recap, all of this and more coming at you next on the On The Run podcast. I must say, it feels good, Aiden. We started this podcast back in, what was it, early February? Uh, here we are finally getting to talk about some playoff basketball. Our last two episodes have been NBA redrafts, which have been a lot of fun. If you didn't catch those, they're available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now. We redrafted the 2009 NBA draft, and then we redrafted the M- the 2011 NBA draft with our buddy AJ. So again, those are available right now if you missed them. But Right now, it is time to give a full debrief of what happened in round one of the NBA playoffs. All the series are over. We're now into round two. But let's talk about it, Aiden. And I think all the fans, and we both know which series we have to start with, and that is Lakers, Suns. Aiden, we briefly touched on it last episode when AJ asked, but we said we were going to wait and really dive into it here. So here's our chance. Uh, I'm going to open the floor to you to start. First of all, congratulations. Uh, you're a diehard Phoenix Suns fan, for anyone who doesn't know. You've had a lot of uh, a lot of heartbreak in the last decade. So for, for you to come out and beat the defending champs in round one has to be just an amazing feeling, and, and I'm super happy for you. So wherever you want to go with this, this, the floor is yours. Go ahead. I am so happy. Um, th- that that series win against the Lakers was honestly 
right at the very top of my my lifetime uh, fan moments in sports, all sports. I was right up at the top. And yes, it's only a round one victory, but to put this in a con- context, I tweeted this out the night after after the Lakers or the Suns beat the Lakers. 2011, the Phoenix Suns finished 10th in the West. 2012, they finished 10th in the West. 2013, they finished 15th. 2014, they finished 9th. 2015, they finished 10th. 2016, they finished 14th. 2017, they finished 15th. 2018, they finished 15th. 2019, they finished 15th again. Three years in a row finishing last place. 2020, they finished 10th. And then this year, we have the second best record in the NBA. We beat LeBron James, the greatest player of all time the defending champions in the LA Lakers. We win at the Staples Center to close out the series. Um, that, you know, that is that is 11 years of absolute torture. I have watched a lot of Phoenix Suns games throughout those years. I have watched a lot of games with Dragon Bender and Alex Len and just dark, dark days, Eric Bledsoe. Um, you know, I've watched a lot of bad basketball, and this this just feels so, so good. I've watched Devin Booker come in, come into the league as a young kid. He's been in the league for probably four, five, five, six years now at least. But nobody's really got to see he's nobody's really got to see how good he is, and that's I think we're gonna get into him obviously later on as we get going here. But Devin Booker's performance in this series was out of this world. Um, I, I in a way I felt like a proud dad seeing him uh, seeing him just you know just flourish right as a rookie, and all of a sudden you know. However many years he is in into the league now, he, he finally gets his moment on the big stage in the playoffs against you know one of the biggest organizations in all of s- sports around the world in the, in the Lakers and absolutely balls out. Uh, the Phoenix Suns win, beat the Lakers, and I'm just I'm just so happy, man. And it just it, it, it I'm not gonna lie, I brought a tear to my eye. I think Booker's a great place to start because this series, Aiden, was really won because of Devin Booker. As we know, Chris Paul was suffering with a shoulder injury for uh, the most part of this series. That happened originally in Game 1, and then I think he tweaked it again in Game 4 or 5. Everyone knew that Chris Paul wasn't quite right. He wouldn't even take a 3 for most of the the series. He seemed afraid of shooting, so we weren't getting the full CP3 that we were during the regular season. So it was on Booker's shoulders. Aiden, I think he proved to a lot of people in this series that Devin Booker is not just an empty stat guy who puts up a lot of points on a bad team. I never thought he was that guy, but a lot of people, you know, started to label him as that. Um, game six, especially, Aiden, I think that's that's a legacy game. Uh, elimination game uh, in Staples Center. Devin Booker comes out, drops 47 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists on 8 for 10 from downtown Aiden. As a Laker fan watching that, I couldn't help but just shake my head, right? Like, here we are trying to stay with these guys. AD plays a few minutes into that game, and then we we all know right away his groin is way too bad. He checks out of the game. So here LeBron is trying to do this by himself, and Devin Booker cannot miss from anywhere on the floor. And I have my hands buried in my head watching this. I want to get your perspective from a Suns fan in that closeout game. Devin Booker goes wild, maybe has the best game of his career. Uh, what were you thinking in those moments there? Oh, man, just so happy. And it's funny because game five and game six, I was working at Solby's. 
and the game started at about seven thirty and eight o'clock. I'm not missing the games, man. I, I'm not seeing the score. So the one the one day I was working one thirty to ten, and the next one I was thinking I was working five to ten. But anyways, I I go to work. I don't bring my phone. I tell everybody who I'm at work, don't you even dare talk basketball to me. And everybody, all right, all right, sounds good. Nobody says a word. I go home. I had the game taped. I start the games at about eleven o'clock. I go home, have a little cereal before before I go down, and and then I start the game at eleven o'clock. You know the games. The game's done. I have no idea. I'm starting it. I'm wearing my son's jersey down in my basement. I'm finishing these games at one in the morning, which made it just feel even better. Um, but going going to the games, that game six game is exactly a legacy game. And he's only 24 years old. And it's his first ever playoff series we're talking about. And then, like you mentioned, everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of, like you said, a lot of people have always thought of Devin Booker, empty stats guy, good player, bad team. You know, he, Suns are never going to win with Devin Booker on the team. No, no, no. Don't listen to that. He 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 showed throughout the series that he's 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 a star. He's a rising star in this league, and he finally got his moment. But that game six dropped a season high forty seven points, a career high eight three pointers in a closeout game against the defending champions at the Staples Center in his first ever playoff series. He was going in into that game, and the, he would get the ball. He would take a three, and you already knew it was going in. That, that's just that's how good he was playing. And as soon as he releases it, he knows it's going in. The way he'll kind of turn, turn away before he even goes in, kind of Steph-like. Um, he, the guy's, the guy's an absolute baller, man. I love him. He's he's my second favorite player in the league once LeBron or behind LeBron. And and once LeBron retires in the next couple of years, sad, but uh, he'll he'll be he'll be jumping in that number one spot. So I was I was so so happy to watch watch Booker in the series. Like I said, forty seven points, but in Game Six, but throughout the entire series. His first ever playoff series, he wound up averaging uh, just over 40 minutes per game, 30 points per game, six and a half rebounds, and five assists. On 49% from the field and almost 43% from downtown, those are absurd numbers. Yeah, pretty pretty decent uh, first round, first ever playoff series, if you ask me. And especially for a guy who, who's been criticized for never winning, uh, a guy who's been criticized for just being an, an empty stack guy. And I think he went out there and he showed everybody, he showed the world that, that Devin Booker is a star and, and I love it, man. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm so happy. I think it would have been very easy for Booker to finally get this big moment uh, again against the defending champs, against LeBron James, the greatest player of the generation, at least in some people's opinions, the greatest player ever. And for him to get on that big stage, it would have been very easy for him to crumble, not shoot well, get nervous. And, you know, he did the exact opposite. He flourished in that environment. Uh, So good for Booker. I think it's great that we led with him because he was pivotal to the Suns' success and he will be moving forward. Uh, Aiden, next thing I wanted to ask you was about this crowd. I didn't know that Phoenix brought the heat like that every night. Even in the first few games, correct me if I'm wrong, their capacity wasn't 100%. They weren't bringing all the fans that they could have to the game. Aiden, it still it still sounded like and felt like a full arena. Those fans are loving their sons. It is clear that they were just so desperate for some playoff basketball. And what do you think that a a crowd and environment like that does for a team. Whereas, you know, every game played in the Staples Center, you know, it felt like there was no one there still. 
I think they had about 7,500 fans, you know, at the Staples Center. It still felt like the bubble. The Suns Arena was crazy. I'm sure you enjoyed that, wished you were there. What did you think of it? Oh, I'd do anything to be there. That was I was so happy to watch that. And yeah, the home home court advantage is huge, obviously, in playoffs. But if if you don't have fans, it, it means nothing. That's just exactly what the bubble was. It didn't matter in the bubble if you're the home team or the away team. It's there's no there's no no you know, it's the same thing. So um this year Phoenix has waited eleven years to watch a playoff Suns basketball game. Phoenix is a basketball town. They were the first pro sports team to arrive in Arizona and Phoenix. You know, they were ahead of the Coyotes, the Cardinals, the Diamondbacks. They were there first. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a basketball town. It, it's a town that has been starving for a good basketball team. They finally get it. So, yeah, the place is going to be rocking. Game one and game two, there was only, I think it was only 12,000 people out of out of 18,000 max, but it did not sound like 12,000. It sounded like 18,000. And, and as the series went on, Game uh, game five in Phoenix was a full sellout crowd, and so far in game two, it's sellout. So it's going to be a sellout for for the rest rest of the playoffs, and it's getting like national recognition. Like people people were saying that game five game was one of the loudest first round arenas they've, they've ever been in in their entire career. And these are people that have been every single year they're covering playoff basketball, playoff sports. Stephen A. Smith went on first take and was saying that crowd I've never seen anything like it, and Stephen A. Smith has watched a lot of basketball games. He's been in a lot of NBA arenas, and for for him just to say that is it, it really it was really special. But yeah, the, the Suns they're they're uh, they are four and one so so far in the playoffs through five games at home. And uh, yeah, they're the Valley jerseys look so nice out there. They're wearing at home, and yeah, er, everything is just going right right now for the Suns. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton for a second. Ayton uh, Ayton in this series shot. 80% from the field. He averaged 16 points and 11 rebounds. Your big man, Aiden, who a lot of people were worried that Anthony Davis was going to chew up, he held his own. And not only that, I think he exceeded expectations. Now, granted, Anthony Davis didn't play in a lot of these games. He he only played, what, about half the series? But Let's go back to game one for a second. Anthony Davis plays that entire game. He's healthy or at least somewhat healthy in that game. Aiton didn't just hold his own against AD. He outperformed Anthony Davis in that series. And that seemed to carry over. That energy seemed to carry over into the rest of that series. Just before I turn it to you, Aiden, a lot of people especially this year, beginning of the regular season, Aiton gets off to a slow start. I heard the word bust. The word bust started to creep up on DeAndre Ayton, especially because this is a guy who got drafted before Luka Doncic, a guy who got drafted before Trey Young. Aiden, I think those, those narratives can be put to rest. What did you think of Aiton in this series? And not only that, but as a Suns fan, how do you feel about him being your number one pick and him growing up with this young core and being a part of your team? I'm so happy for him. I love him. Uh, DeAndre Ayton jersey is, is probably up next in my jersey collection. Uh, I, I love him. Uh, he, he showed out, and yeah, that game won. He, he had 21 points, 16 rebounds, and he, he, he shut down AD. AD only had 13 points. He shot 5 for 16. And Anthony Davis was called out by every single media reporter in the sports world uh, for his poor performance in game one. 
uh, Aiden averaged, you know, those stats that, that, that you mentioned. Outstanding. Again, this is his first playoff series. Uh, he's only 22 years old. Of course, like you said, he gets he gets picked uh, first overall in that 2018 draft where Luka Doncic goes third and Trey Young goes five. And it's an interesting discussion point because obviously Luka Doncic is probably going to be maybe the best player of, of this upcoming generation of all these these young players in their young 20s. But, I mean, I I think Aiden's going to be one of the best centers in the NBA. Um he he fits into our into our system flawlessly, and I, I've mentioned to you many times. I'm going to go down the rest of my life defending this Aiden pick because come on draft day, I wanted DeAndre Aiden. I was happy with the pick, and to be honest with you, at the time the Suns we had we had a Slovenian coach, and of course Luka Doncic is Slovenian, and we I can't remember the Suns uh, coach name. That that's Igor how, something Igor Igor or something. Uh, that's how poor his performance was for the Suns. I don't even remember his name, um, but. I, I thought we were picking Luca, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know this kid from Slovenia played for Real Madrid in Spain. Like, I don't know much about him. Like, I'm a little nervous. I'd rather just pick DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton from played at University of Arizona, hour and a half down the road. Uh, it was, it was. I, I think it was the right call in draft day. And yeah, obviously Luka Doncic might be the best player of our generation, but I think DeAndre Ayton can easily become the second or third best center in the NBA. Obviously, uh, Nikola Jokic is only 26, and he's he's got light years ahead of him. Um, you know, um, for for Jokic, he's, his career is just starting. Just won NBA MVP this year, but I mean, we've seen through these first two games, Ayton's playing Jokic even. So the, the future is so bright for Ayton. The Suns team, he played tremendous. And I'm so happy. Let's talk about this Suns team as a whole, uh, their depth for a second here, because one thing that really impressed me about uh, Phoenix in round one was they really play together as a team and they know their role. Monty Williams has, you know, especially in big moments, Aiden, a pretty tight seven or eight man rotation. Beyond that, there's not a lot of guys who can play for this team. Uh, a couple guys I wanted to bring up, Jay Crowder's one. He got off to a rough start in this series, didn't shoot the three ball well. But in games five and six, he was pivotal to their success. He knocked down some big shots. I remember in game six, first quarter, he got them off to a really good start. Uh, Mikel Bridges, we, me and you were talking about him off mic the other night, Aiden. He's the type of guy that any one would want on their team come playoff time. Uh, you, you know, you slot him in on the wing, a great 3 and D guy. He knocks down that corner three well. Uh, he he plays defense with those long arms, uh, gets, his, gets his hands in passing lanes. Cam Johnson comes off the bench, can knock down some energizing threes. Uh, and, and I guess the biggest surprise in this series was Cameron Payne, who had to play an increased role when Chris Paul was down and out uh, with his shoulder injury. And Aiden Campaign, we're talking about a guy who was in China last year, averages 12.5 points, three rebounds, and three assists on 42% shooting in this series. Definitely the biggest surprise for me, but... All in all, again, I was so impressed with, you know, the depth guys on this Suns team. It seems like everyone knows their role. Yeah, super impressive. You've watched them all year. What are your thoughts on some of these depth guys that I've brought up and how they play together? Their, their team is so deep. Uh, we were talking about uh, them, yeah, off mic the other night you said, and um, Mikel Bridges, 
terrific, terrific player. The, he's every team would want him. He's he's I think he's one of the best three and D guys in in, in the league. And that's perfect for playoffs, right? That's yep. exactly what you need deep in a postseason. Yep, it, it's you know he's he's a great player. Uh, the Suns absolutely fleece the 76ers in that trade. I, I got to hear. Uh, Evan Sattery tweets out a couple days ago. He goes, the Mikel Bridges trade will go down eventually as one of the best trades in Suns franchise history. Phoenix acquired Bridges for Zahari Smith, who's currently not on an NBA roster, plus the 18th overall pick in this upcoming draft. Wow. That that was a trade. That's it. That That is maybe one of the biggest one-sided trades you'll ever see. Um, so the Brit- Suns got get Bridges for free, um, basically. So... Uh, he's a terrific player. Cam Johnson, like you mentioned, drafted 11th overall in 2019. Another young player, although he is 25. Uh, you know, he played a lot of college ball, but in that in that 2019 draft, he was the best shooter coming out of the draft. And the Suns snag him at 11, and he comes off the bench and is just an absolute sniper. Um, and campaign man, like, like you mentioned, he was playing in China last year, out of the league. Monty Williams calls him up last year and says, "Come play for me." comes off the bench and this series that series against the Lakers campaign was absolutely electrifying. He was so good at shooting the ball. He shot the ball terrifically, but he was so good at slashing. He's so energetic. He's so fast out there. He's fun to watch. And, and he's got a very ugly jump shot. I mean, you both know that. Oh, I know you hate his jump shot. Um, but you know, he's, he's fun to watch and he gets a ball. He's so quick, so shifty. He's great, great at the, uh, great around the hoop. He gets downhill, so oh uh, yeah, the, the Suns team and Jay Crowder, like you said, he he brings a, a lot of veteran experience. He obviously was in the finals last year, the Miami Heat lost to Lakers, um, so this was kind of a little uh, little redemption tour for Jay Crowder. And he he got off to the start of the game or start of the series. He he shot one for seventeen from three uh, through the first three games, and that's obviously not what you want. And I think that had that had a big part of why the Suns lost game two at home. Uh, he shot the ball terribly that night. They only lost by seven points to Suns, and you know Trey Crowder shoots the ball a little better. Suns might have been up too old, but who knows? That's that's just all hypothetical stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Suns just played unreal this series, and and yeah, um, Will, Monty Williams does have a tight rotation. You know, Dario Saric started off in the series, getting minutes. He he had a bad game too, I think it was, and he didn't. He barely saw the floor of the rest of the series. He inserts Frank Kaminsky, but DeAndre Ayton was playing almost the entire game. The Saric and Kaminsky were getting backup backup center minutes, very little of it. So, um, just a great all around, great all around team depth wise. And they have Corey Craig coming in the rotation too. Great, great pickup this year. Um, so yeah. Last thing before we move into the Lakers for a bit, I know we've talked a lot about the Suns, but again. This is your team, and it's been so long since they've been here. I I just think they're such a likable team. I never thought that I would enjoy watching a team that beat my Lakers so much, but I'm honestly rooting for the Suns moving forward in this postseason. Um, let's talk about Chris Paul for a sec. I already mentioned he didn't have the biggest role in the series due to his shoulder. Um in round two right now against the Jazz, we're two games in. He's looked healthier. He's looked kind of back to where he was in the regular season. Um, we'll get into that, though, uh, in an upcoming podcast for now. Let's talk about something else we talked about off mic, Aiden, and that is 
Could we make an argument for this being Chris Paul's best team ever? Um, the other teams in that conversation would obviously be the 2018 Rockets, uh, starting five of Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Clint Capella. We've mentioned it a million times on this podcast. They had the Warriors down 3-2, and then Chris Paul gets hurt. Uh, that's kind of been the story of his playoff career. You could also make an argument for, you know, the 2014-ish, 2015 uh, LA Clippers when Chris Paul was younger. You had J.J. Redick uh, kind of at his peak. Blake Griffin when he was a top 10, 15 guy in the league. And you had um, DeAndre Jordan when he was making all NBA teams. That was another, you know, contender that just never was able to get the job done. Aiden, in your opinion... I know you might be a little biased, and it also might be a little early to make this call. Maybe we should see, you know, how far do the Suns go in this playoffs? Uh, you know, where does their run come to an end? But do you think there's an argument to be made here for this being Chris Paul's best team, or do you like one of those other teams that I brought up? Yeah, we talked about it at the end of the day. Um, the argument's there. Uh, of course, we need to see uh, where where the Suns team goes in the playoffs. Right now, we're we're recording June June eleventh, uh, Friday June eleventh. The Suns are up two zero on the Denver Nuggets in the second round. The game three is tonight in Denver. Um, but I, I think the Suns will win the series. We both predicted Phoenix and six. Um, so we'll we'll see how that ends up. But if the Suns go crashing out, if they blow this lead, then this argument goes right down the drain because this that that Chris Paul team, the twenty eighteen Rockets team, was was up three two on on the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors. Um, and Chris Paul, of course, gets injured, and Golden State moves on. Um, and that, you know that team's that Rockets team starts fizzling out from there. Um, so yeah, the argument's definitely there. The Suns, I think, are way deeper than that Rockets team. Like we just discussed, the Suns bench a couple minutes ago. They have a terrific bench, and and in the, in that Lakers series, when when LeBron would go off, the bench would come on, and they would they would the Suns would usually keep one or two starters out there. As soon as LeBron went off the floor, the Suns would just run havoc, and that's when the Suns really started to, to push away. And and the same thing happened when when uh, when Devin Booker went off the floor, LeBron was on the floor. The Lakers really took charge. So you know, when, whenever the star guys went out, you know the the, 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 the tables started to, to switch a little bit. But um, yeah, the I think the, the Suns are one of the best teams Chris Paul's ever played on. That, that's crazy, man. Beginning of the year, if you told me we're going to be the second round, beat LeBron and the Lakers up 2-0, one of the best trades ever in Suns history right there as well. Chris Paul for Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio in a first-round pick. Easy, light work. You mentioned the Lakers a little bit there. I think this is the perfect time to move into them. Uh it's time for me to do some serious grieving, Aiden. Yep, let's go. Um, Sorry, buddy. I have a bit of a rant here, but I'm not going to make it too long. I'm going to split it up. I want your opinion in between each of these points. Uh, first of all, just as a team, the Lakers, I'll forever remember the 2020-2021 Lakers season as a cursed season. Um, obviously, the Lakers are coming off a championship in the shortest offseason ever. I believe it was something around 72 days they had, just over two months before they began the next regular season. Um, Anthony Davis plays 36 of the 70-something games, uh, missed you know, over half the season dealing with 
a number of injuries. Obviously, that right calf strain was the one that kept him out a long time. LeBron plays 45 games. He misses the most um, time in a single season that he ever has in his 18-year career, including the entire back half of the season. He returned for the last two games. Um, but other than that, he missed the entire back half of the season. The Lakers starting five got a total of two games together before playoffs. Uh, they had no chemistry. Um, you know, it's easy to forget that the Lakers were 20, something like 22 and six, 24 and six. I can't remember the exact number before Anthony Davis goes down for the first time. Um, you know, your best two guys miss that much time. It's tough to bounce back from. Uh, Aiden, I know you watched a lot of Laker games all year. Um, you know, did you have legitimate concerns in the regular season and going into the playoffs that the Lakers weren't going to be able to put it together? Or were you still confident that, you know, LeBron and AD coming off a championship regardless of how many games they've played, we're going to be able to come together and, and find a winning formula come playoff time. At the beginning of the year, I thought they were going back-to-back. They were my pick initially. Um, they they made pretty pretty good moves in the summer. Uh, obviously, there were some moves I didn't like, some moves I liked. They, they brought in Schroeder, who I thought was an improvement. Um, but I, I really thought that losing McGee and, and Howard hurt them. Of course, you know they bring in Marcus Gasol this year. They bring in Drummond. Um, but I don't know. I, I think they were a little weaker big man wise, uh, come playoff time. But at the end of the day, you still have LeBron James, who is, who when healthy is best player in the world still, even in year 18, uh, age 36. Um, but Anthony Davis, you know, he's top five NBA player when healthy, but problem is when healthy, man, that's, that's the thing. So, I I I I thought they were gonna to win it all at the beginning of the year. Throughout the year, they looked good. Halfway through the season, before LeBron's high ankle injury, he's first place in NBA voting, and that's that's absurd, man. Like thirty six years old, he's halfway through the year, he's number one in in the NBA uh, MVP award. So that just goes to show what he's capable of and how good he is and how good the Lakers were. You know, they were right at the top of the tough Western Conference with Utah, with with the Suns with the Clippers, and then, of course, the unfortunate injury, the ankle injury, really derails the season. The, the, the Lakers go from top of the West right into the playing playing area, and that's, of course, where they finished seventh this year in the West. And Anthony Davis in and out of the, in and out of the lineup. Um, so I was a little worried, but come, come playoff time, LeBron was back, but he was not right. Yeah, he claims that that ankle is still bugging him. And, you know, he came back, Aiden, I forgot to mention this, with about, what was it, seven or eight games left in the regular season. And then he ends up missing another week after he thought that that high ankle sprain was kind of healed. Turns out it wasn't. He ends up missing more time. I just find it real hard to believe that he was at 100% going into the postseason. And we saw it at times in the series. We were watching games together, Aiden, and, and you know, you and I are sitting here going, why isn't LeBron driving? He doesn't look like he wants any part of the paint. We know LeBron's at his best when he's aggressive, taking it to the hoop. He's a two-way threat. His jump shot's falling, but he's also taking it hard to the hoop. He's a freight train. Nobody can stop him. 
he seemed hesitant to do that at a lot of times. And I just kept telling myself, like, he's going to turn it on here. He's going to turn it on. But those moments didn't really come. Uh, I mentioned in last podcast when we talked with AJ a little bit, the Lakers, uh, despite all the injuries, all the troubles that they've had throughout the season, were up 2-1 to one in, on these Suns. They were up 11 in the second quarter of Game 4 at home. Then Anthony Davis goes down. He misses the rest of the series. And, you know, starting from when he goes down and exits Game 4, the series really flips on its head. Uh, it's unfortunate. Obviously, I'd like to see how the series would have turned out had he been healthy the entire time. But injuries are a part of basketball. They're a part of sports. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, so I'm not going to go ahead and discredit anything the Suns did. They put on a marvelous performance. They did what they had to do to win. Um, obviously, nobody likes injuries. And uh, it would have been nice to see a fully healthy teams on both sides. You know, if we could, if you guys had Chris Paul for the whole series, that would have been interesting, too. Um couple depth players, Aiden, I wanted to get into. And just a spoiler alert here, none of these guys I have really good reviews for. Uh, let's start with Dennis Schroeder. Dennis's first season in L.A., we acquired him in the offseason from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the first bullet point I have here, Aiden, is streaky. The guy was extremely, extremely up and down. He would come out one night, look aggressive, his jump shot's falling, he's slashing to the hoop, and he'd give you 22 points. And then he comes out in Game 5 in Phoenix and has zero points as the starting point guard without AD. How do you have zero points? Uh, Schroeder's not great defensively. We saw it in the play-in game. A couple possessions in the fourth quarter. He's matched up on Steph Curry. And... Steve Kerr basically just called for an, a clear out of one side and Steph just went to work on him. Uh, so he's not great defensively. He shot 33% from downtown this year. That's not ideal for a starting point guard. You know, you want your guards to be 38% and higher. Sorry. And then I have also written down the zero points in game five. He was our Rondo replacement. Um, I had a lot of hope... In Dennis Schroeder at points in the year, I thought he was going to be much better. Aiden, any any thoughts on Dennis Schroeder throughout this series, looking from, you know, a Suns fan perspective? Streaky was a perfect way to put it. Game three, when the Lakers really took it to the Suns, the Suns played awful that game. They shot awful. They had 12 points in the second quarter. Um, but Schroeder, he had his best game in the series that night. He had 20 points, played a really good game. And, yeah, he's not great defensively, but he's really good with the ball. I think, um, driving to the hoop. He's shifty, just like campaign is. Um, but game five, zero points, starting point guard of the L.A. Lakers. Are you kidding me? 2-2 two, two series, you go into the game five and you score zero points. It's, uh, it's almost I unbelievable. I don't know. It's, it's, it is unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, Schroeder, not, not what, uh, what fans kind of had hopes for uh, the way that he played. Uh, Montres Harrell's another guy I have here. He didn't get many minutes in this series. I said he was okay in limited minutes. He's an undersized center who isn't a great rim protector and often gets lost on defense. We saw it last year in the bubble. The, Clipper, the Clippers struggled to play him in late-game situations. Uh, the Lakers did as well. He's a great regular season guy when you're just playing, you know, 
the Atlanta Hawks on a Tuesday night on the road. But come crunch time here, you just can't really have them out on the floor. And we've seen that back-to-back years. Uh, the Drummond experiment, I called it a failure. Uh, you know, Frank Vogel even went as far as starting Marcus All for the first time in the elimination game six because he had that little faith in Andre Drummond. I thought we were going to get, a, you know, a... a juiced up version of Dwight Howard from last year. And that's not at all what we got. Uh, He looked lost out there at times, took some abysmal shots. Um, You know, I had high hopes for him and it didn't really work out. Um, Something that I think is going to get lost in the shuffle from this series is Contavious Caldwell Pope's injury. He misses time. Uh, He gets hurt in, I think, in two or three. And he's our starting shooting guard. And he was for our entire playoff run last year. He came up with some giant moments in the playoffs. And, you know, he's not a guy who has the prestige of a LeBron or an AD. But I think people who watch the Lakers a lot know just how important he is to our team. And when he is yet another starter that isn't healthy, we're going to suffer from it. And we saw it. Um Last guy here, oh, besides besides Kuzma. Last guy here, uh, Talon Horton Tucker. He's extremely young. He's what? He's 20 or 21 years old. He showed flashes at times this season. He showed flashes at times this playoffs that he can be a big, strong, shot-creating wing. But Aiden, sometimes he just looked in over his head as well out there. Um and the last thing I'm going to bring up here is that he is the piece that Rob Palenka wouldn't give up in a trade for Kyle Lowry at the deadline to think that we could have had Lowry for this postseason run and we didn't want to give him up because of Taylor Horton Tucker. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's win now. You go all in. I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I went a long time there. I brought up a lot of guys. Go wherever you want with this. Uh, what do you think of some of these depth guys for the Lakers? Oh, it's funny that you brought up the Kyle Lowry trade because that was the exact point I was going to make. I was going to ask you as soon as you you were done this rant, but you pretty much just answered my question right there. What would this Lakers team look if they had Kyle Lowry? Yeah. I don't care if he's thirty five. LeBron's thirty six. This is your this is your time to win now. You do not care about what this Lakers team looks five years down the road, six years down the road, when AD is gone. When all well, eighty signed a five year contract, but six years from now, maybe he's gone. LeBron James is out of the league. This is your time to win now, and you wouldn't give up Taylor Horton Tucker, who was who was awful in the series. He was playing limited minutes. It's it's just a big head scratcher, man. Um, as, as you know, I'm a LeBron fan, so I, I of course like the Lakers right now, and um, but obviously the series goes Suns, and um, but yeah, that that. Why the Lakers didn't make that trade just really bothers me. I was so mad come uh, come de- trade deadline day, and we talked about it earlier uh, in previous episodes. But another person I want to talk about was Montrezl Harrell. He he comes off the bench uh, and just really doesn't perform well. And I had high hopes for him last year. Uh, he was you know he's in the in the sixth man of the year conversation every year. He has been. Uh, with with his old teammate Lou Will for the Clippers, but there's a reason why the Clippers let let Harrell go, and he signs with with the uh, uh, the rivals who share the same building, Staples Center, 
Um, and Montrez Harrell, I'm going to read his Instagram post. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he had, he had a really nice Instagram post. It says he posted 10 pictures of him playing with the Lakers this year. He goes, as a page turns on year six, I sit back and just say thank you for all the ups, downs, highs, and lows. Because at the end of the day, I'm blessed to wake up every day and play a game that I love and call it my job. A lot of people in this world have to wake up and go into work environments that they can't stand to be in a day out, day in and day out, but not me. I get to go out and live my life playing a game that I love and take care of the ones I love. I couldn't ask the man upstairs for anything better. Yes, the season didn't end up how I wanted it, and the road was rocky, and I am still grateful through it all. Thank you, Lakers Nation and the Purple and Gold franchise for allowing me to add another page in the book of trez and that's a really nice instagram post but that that last sentence i think sums up he will not be back in the lakers um so that's that's a question going on for the lakers this offseason what do you do with harrell what do you do with gasol and i agree this drummond experiment was a failure they of course uh, get him on the buyout market around trade deadline time um but yeah this this season is just very very disappointing and yeah i think you, you said a perfect start it's kind of a cursed year with all the injuries that they had especially with lebron and anthony davis you're not gonna win with with one healthy and one one injured or both injured like like it was you're exactly right aiden uh, just before we move on to our next series let's spend two minutes on kyle kuzma oh you said the k word i don't know that's pretty dangerous man the k word kuzma it's like in the Harry Potter series how nobody will say the say Voldemort and when you do everyone like like shudders. That's how I feel about Kuzma. Is, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah it is. I I hated Harry Potter. Unpopular <laughs> opinion, I hated Harry Potter. I never I, I tried to watch it, didn't give it a go, so. I think you got to read the books. I think yeah. that it's be, it's a better start than the movies. I'm a movie guy, not a book guy. <laughs> uh Kyle Kuzma in this series, the only thing I have written down is horrible. Um, in this series, Aiden, Kyle Kuzma averaged six points, uh, four rebounds and an assist on 29% shooting. He shot 17% from downtown, but the stats don't even tell the full story. Aiden, he just looks lost out there. I don't know how in the regular season he can look so silky smooth at times but come playoff time it's just like a junior high kid that checks into city finals and hasn't played all year he just looks like his gears are spinning a million miles an hour he has no clue what he's doing he's like high stepping around the court making bad passes bad reads losing himself defensively there's really no words Aiden you know, this is a guy that we kept over Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram, who have all had breakout or semi-breakout years elsewhere. And Kyle Kuzma feels like he's almost taken a step backwards. I can't say anything more about him. Aiden, just before we move on to Clippers Mavs, do you have anything to say about Kuzma? He is horrible. Let's move on. <laughs> Clippers Mavs fair enough yeah I don't want to talk about him any more than I have to Clippers Mavs here we go Mavs get up 2-0 they win both road games in LA uh then the Clippers end up coming back to Dallas and winning both in fact the home team didn't win a game all series until game seven where the Clippers eventually closed out the Mavs uh, at home at Staples Center. Aiden, I think we have to start with Luca 
and I'll turn it right to you. There's so much to say about, you know, what he did for the in this series, what he has done for this franchise, and, uh, you know, what he could do moving forward. Um, go anywhere you want with this. What did you think of Luca? Kid's an absolute stud. 22 years old. He's 1999 born. He's our age, Dorney. Like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy how good he is. And I kind of touched on him briefly when talking about DeAndre Ayton. And, yeah, I think he's going to be the best player of this generation. Uh, he's. I think he's going to rule the NBA. I think free agents are going to want to sign in Dallas, and that's never really been a thing. The Dallas Mavericks have been an organization over many years. They've always had cap space. Nobody ever wants to go play in Dallas. I don't know what it is, but they just don't go to Dallas. But now you have a kid, a, a kid, 22 years old, already one of the best players in the league already, and lighting it up. Free agents are going to sign there, but we've talked about it. They're in a tough situation, man. They have Kristaps Porzingis on that team. Um, I know I'm kind of going a little off the rails, but not really. But the situation in Dallas, like free agents are going to want to sign there, but the money is just – people are going to want to play with Luka Doncic, but the money is just so awkward because you have Porzingis for over $100 over the next three years. He was woeful in the series. Um, he, he he's paid like a number two guy. Well, he's paid like a number one guy, but he's he's a number two guy, and he did not perform like a number two guy. The the uh, the, the Mavericks next next best player was was um what's his name? Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway Jr. was their, was their second best guy. And wasn't it you that said uh, you saw a tweet? Somebody stated that this is no longer the Kristaps Porzingis trade. This is the Tim Hardaway yeah, trade. Yeah, this is yeah that, that trade with the Knicks it turned out to be the Tim Hardaway trade because Porzingis has been awful. He's he's missed over 100 games in the last couple of years. Uh, he's, I don't know, man. He's a shell of his self that he used to be in New York. Yeah. And I don't know if part of that is he's not getting those touches that a number one does, the injuries, um, you know, playoffs. Does the playoff atmosphere have him all, you know, jumbled up i'm not sure but yeah he he's nowhere near the player he was uh in detroit but going, in going back York, sorry yeah going back to luca he averaged uh 35 and a half points a game in this series for seven games 35 and a half he averaged 10 assists and eight rebounds he almost averaged a 36 well he averaged 35.7 points so i'm gonna run that up to 36 he almost averaged a 36 point triple double on 49% shooting and 40% from downtown. Yet yeah, he's an awful free throw shooter. Can we talk about that? Yeah, why is that, Aiden? That really puzzles me. He shot 53 from the stripe this, this, in the seven games. 53% from, from free throw. But he's shooting outrageous. That step back three that he has is unbelievable. It's outrageous. 40% from downtown, like you said, but he's shooting 53. Just a couple more steps in uh, from, from stripe. I don't get it. This is a guy who we saw hit a game winner this year where he basically threw up a floater off balance from behind the three-point line, and it went in. This is one of the most skilled basketball players we've ever seen. He kills people with his skill. It's not his speed. It's not his athleticism. You wouldn't call Luka Doncic a freight train coming down the lane like you would LeBron. He kills guys because he's so skilled. So why can't he shoot free throws? Do you think it's a mental thing? Is is that what it is at this level? When you start missing a couple, does that get in your head and screw with you, do you think? I don't know, but I'm looking at his at his playoff stats right here. Last year, they, they played the LA Clippers last year in the bubble. So back-to-back years, we've had a really good um, Clippers-Mavericks playoff series. 
he sh- he only shot 66% from the free throw line last playoff series. And yeah, like 66 is obviously a lot better than 53, but 66 is still an awful number. Um, you want to be, you know, in, in the 85 plus at least. Um, so I, I don't get it. It has to be a mental thing because last year we saw it in the bubble. He has that unbelievable, unbelievable game-winning shot, that game-winning three against against the same or same Clippers. And I tweeted, I said, Giannis can't do that. I was watching that game out of my lake. I remember where I was, out of my lake, out at our cabin, and I have the game on, and I was going nuts. I'm running around. I'm like, oh, my God, Luka Doncic is unbelievable. At the time, he's 21 years old. And and I said, Giannis, we can't do that. Like, he's Luka's going to be the best player of, our, of this this generation. Um, but, yeah, he can't shoot a free throw. So I don't get it. But his, his playoff series was out of this world, 36-point triple-double almost. Um, but, yeah, I saw a stat that this was the first playoff series in NBA history that the away team won all six games. That's never happened before. That that's crazy. I, I I thought a lot of a lot of people thought this series was done after game two. The the fraud clippers um you know fold again. They lose game one and game two at the Staples Center. And then you're like, no way, they're going back to Dallas or maybe they split and then you know Clippers are gonna lose that series. But uh yeah, six games Away, away team wins. Uh, Dallas goes 0-3 on their home floor, which is extremely disappointing. Uh, this was a really fun series to watch. It was awesome. Just before we get into other parts of the series, I like how you brought up Giannis for a second. Because Aiden, there was a short time there. Uh, I don't know if it started when he won his first MVP. Maybe it started when he won his second MVP. But people were calling Giannis the definitive, you know, next guy you know you have Jordan you have Kobe you have LeBron and then you have this next guy and people thought that was going to be honest and for a bit I thought that was going to be honest too um I think the narrative's changed I think it's Luca unquestionably you said Giannis can't do that you're right he cannot do that and what's more I saw a video going around Twitter last night I'm not sure if you saw this um from the Nets Bucks game three, where Giannis is kind of dribbling one on one, kind of an isolation play. And he is trying to, you know, do like crossovers, maybe get his guy moving side to side a bit. And Aiden, it looks awkward. Like it looks like a high school kid who plays JV trying to ISO. And someone said, Giannis really has no bag. Like he has no bag of tricks. His God-given ability of being seven foot, t- seven feet tall, having great fast twitch muscle fibers, and being an absolute monster is what gets him his points. He can't shoot a turnaround jumper very well. He can't shoot from downtown. He really, you can't give him the ball late game to, you know, create his own shot. Am I going too far by saying Luca's for sure the next guy and Giannis I don't think is anywhere close, or do you think it's still a little closer than you know what I just painted? I completely agree with that. Um, I, I've said two or three times already in this, in this podcast, in this episode, that Luca's I think, is going to be the next player, of our, our best player of our generation. And, and Giannis is 26 years old. Of course, he has a couple league MVPs already back-to-back. But I think by 26 years old, Luka Doncic might have two or three. Is is that fair to say? Uh I 
could definitely see it. Yep. He came into sh- uh, camp a little out of shape this year, got off to a bit of a slow start. But, you know, you give Luca some co-stars and a full offseason, he comes into camp fully in shape with a little more experience. I don't think that's too far-fetched to say. Yeah. But getting back to Giannis, this, this Bucks team is the best Bucks team that, that they ever have. And, you know, second round right now, they, they, they run into the they run into the, the Brooklyn Nets. Last year, they get rolled by in the bubble by the Miami Heat. Terrible, terrible playoffs for Milwaukee. Bad se- or bad series for Giannis. But two years ago, 2019, they were up 2 nothing on the Toronto Raptors. And game three at the Air Canada Center in Toronto went to double overtime. They were a double overtime game away from going up 3-0 on the Raptors. And the Raptors don't win. Well, I mean, they did win four straight. That's the thing, though. But going down 3-0... It's it's a lot harder. That, that's a mental block. I think yeah. if they go down 3-0, that's a lot tougher to win four in a row than just being down 0-2. I, see, I totally see what you're yeah. saying. But they were they were a double overtime loss away from going up 3-0 on the NBA champion Toronto Raptors in 2019. And like I just said, 2020, awful, awful series for the Bucs and Giannis. 2021, they come in here. They, they face – they exercise those demons. They beat the Miami Heat in the first round. They roll them. They swept them. Um, so great series by the by the by the uh, Bucks there against Miami Heat, um, but uh, I, I don't know, man. This Giannis just can't do any of the stuff that Luca Luca can do. I I just I take Luca over Giannis any day. I will not trust Giannis in the playoffs. I don't care. He's a terrible jump shooter. He has a terrible jump shot. Terrible free throw shooter as well. He got called for a ten second violation in round one. Nobody ever gets called for a ten second violation, but people, coaches, and people on the bench. Every time at the line, they're barking in the refs here. He's over the 10-second violation. He takes way longer, and he finally got called out on it. And I found that really interesting that that, that actually gets called. That, that's a rule that never gets called. Never. No, never. I've never – I don't think I've ever seen it in my life, to be honest with you. I was shocked. Um, but, you know, it's a rule, and it happened. But I look over Giannis any day. Sorry, Peter, if you're listening. Paniotti, Greek guy, but Luca all day. Completely agree. Uh just before we move on to the Clippers, who obviously ended up winning this series, I just wanted to touch on Tim Hardaway for a second. We said that, you know, this trade has become the Tim Hardaway trade, not the Christoph Porzingis trade. And uh, I completely agree. For the series, Hardaway averaged 17 points, uh, three rebounds, uh, an assist and a half on 41% shooting and 40% from downtown. Uh, Aiden, we talked about Mikel Bridges as a as a perfect playoff role piece, a role player who, you know, plays defense, is brings good energy, can get his own bucket, shoots the ball efficiently, and I think that's exactly what Tim Hardaway is. Moving forward, can Tim Hardaway be the number two to Luka Doncic on a championship team? No, he cannot. We know that, but. In terms of him just knowing his role and playing it to a T, I don't think there's a better guy in the league. And uh, I think he would put any contending team with two, you know, two or three superstar all-star type guys. You throw him into the mix, and I think he puts that team over the top. What do you think of t- Tim Hardaway? Yeah, I agree. Uh, he, he's had he's had a really good good career. Uh, he's 29 years old right now. He's his, his career average is 14 points. Uh, this past season, he averaged 16 and a half, uh, just over three rebounds. So, you know, he, I think he could be a terrific number three piece. You're not winning if he's your number two guy, and, and that's what he has been. Uh, you know, Porzingis is supposed to be the two guy, and he was not two guy. He was, like, arguably a four guy. 
yeah. this, this series. Yeah. And it got the it got this bad in this series for the Mavericks that Bulbon Bulbon. Bulbon Marjanovic, seven foot four, was playing significant minutes. Starting. Starting. He started some games. And I texted you one night. Behind Luca, Bulbon was, in my opinion, was was the Mavericks' second best player. I can't remember what game it was in that series, but Bulbon was was playing significant minutes minutes, and that's 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 worrisome if you're the Mavericks. They they have they got to figure it out. They're strapped for cash in the cap situation, and there's these reports floating around that they're going to hand Luka Doncic a two hundred million dollar rookie max contract. And Luka Doncic is worth all the money in the world, but you throw that money at him, then like then what are you going to do? Like you're strapped for cash. We talked about it on one of our very first podcasts, Aiden. You know, a lot of people think of Luca. He's 21, 22 years old, extremely young. You know, people might look at that and go, oh, he just got drafted. They have time. They have all the time in the world over in Dallas. No, they don't. In this modern era of free agency and player movement, you know, it won't take long until Luca's up for free agency until they realize, oh, we missed the boat. When you have a guy as good as Luca, in my opinion, already a top five player in this league, and especially I think this playoff performance has vaulted him, you know, maybe even further than that. But when you have a guy as good as him, it's win now every single year. Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks have to find a way to put a better supporting cast around him. You can't waste any years that you have Luca. Uh, Let's move into the Clippers here. Kawhi Leonard, obviously the superstar for the Clippers, has a big series. He averages 32 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists on 61% shooting and 43% from downtown. Um, I would still say Luka was the best player in the series, but Kawhi wasn't far behind. Um, the big one, Aiden, that I wanted to touch on was his game six performance in Dallas. In 42 minutes of play, he had 45 points, six rebounds, and three assists. This brought me back to 2019 when Kawhi Leonard was doing this night in and night out with the Toronto Raptors, leading them through a tough Eastern Conference and to their first NBA championship ever. Um... You know, before that in a Clipper jersey, Aiden, Kawhi has not been that great in the playoffs. Obviously, last year they have that big collapse. And in in some of the g- games at the beginning of this series, he didn't look the best. That was almost like the Kawhi coming out party. I'm here. I'm gearing up for a big playoff run. And when you need me to be that guy, I'm still that guy. What did you think of Kawhi in this series? 2019, like that, that game six, that was honestly one of the better playoff performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, I, I listened to many podcasts and on the Zach Lowe podcast on the Low Post, they were talking about that that was one of the best playoff performances they've, they've seen as well. Just to clarify, in which series you're talking about? Uh, in the in the the Mavericks one. Uh, Clippers Mavericks. Oh, oh, oh okay. I, sorry, my bad. I thought you were talking about 2019. Yes. I oh, agree. yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. But it, I'm saying this reminded me of this 2019 Raptors yeah. uh, Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, that, that game, that game six in Dallas, Texas, you're down 3 2. In a way, th- th- that was the biggest game in Clippers franchise history, I think. Yeah. Kawhi's, a, Kawhi's a UFA this year, uh, he's a free agent. He can sign anywhere he wants. I, I do think that he returns to the Clippers 
Um, but that that's a conversation on its own right there. Um, but if 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 the Clippers lose in the first round, they lose to the Dallas Mavericks. This entire experiment is just blown up. You've traded everything, all your draft picks, all your trade assets, all to Oklahoma City Thunder, all for Paul George. Playoff P, Pandemic P, he brings all these nicknames. and Way off P. Yeah, exactly. Um, but getting back to Kawhi, that, that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Uh, obviously, I like Kawhi Leonard. I think as a Canadian, it's hard to hate Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, you, we all would have loved if he stayed in Toronto. We all agree that I think he left a little too early, but we all know he wanted to go home and he goes home and he signs with the Clippers and tries to do his own thing and good for him. But um, unbelievable game, 45 points, like you mentioned. Uh, in the series, though, there were games where he like he looked good. In some games, he didn't look good. He was streaky. Um, but when it came down to the nitty-gritty, when it mattered most, he showed up and he, he willed himself this Clippers team past Dallas Mavericks. And it would have looked really bad for the Clippers to lose because they they wanted this matchup. They chose this matchup. Last day, last regular season day of the year, there were so many situations that could have played out. They win. They go down to the they go down to the Lakers side of the bracket and they're worried about playing the Lakers in the second round. They're like, no, we want the Clippers or we want the Mavericks, excuse me. We want the Mavericks. We want to go on the top side of the bracket. We're going to avoid the Lakers until at least the third round. Of course, we all know what happened with the Lakers, and and um, and now the Clippers. That would look really, really bad if you. They lost. I think it was OKC in the last last game of the year. Yeah, that's the easiest game you can have. The worst team in the league, Oklahoma City Thunder, and they 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 lost. They literally tried to lose so they could avoid the Lakers. So it would have looked really bad for the Clippers if they would have lost this series. But you know they made it. So here we go. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on with this series. Uh, in particular with the Clippers, Aiden, they are such a weird team. Like we said, some nights they look really good. Other nights they look like it's the first time that they've ever played basketball together. Um, Cole, Ty Lue, I still don't think he knows who his best five players are. Um, you know, in crunch time, you'll obviously Kawhi, see, you'll see Kawhi and Paul George, but you'll get a mix of you know, Reggie Jackson's out there sometimes. Sometimes Marcus Morris is. You'll see Batum. Is Rondo out there? You'll see Terrence Mann out there. Zubok, Beverly. Even we saw a bit of Luke Kennard. Like, Aiden, that is like eight or nine guys where, you know, you're just trying them out in crunch time. Uh, it doesn't look like they have any real sets especially at the end of games it's it's iso with Kawhi and paul george and i mean credit to them they're they're two great iso superstar type players so that can work but they just look confused and lost out there which is why i just don't have a lot of faith in them going you know that far and it showed in the first two games of their second round series at the time of recording they're down two nothing to the utah jazz right now do you see the same things I do? What is with this weird Clippers rotation? They don't seem to know who their best five are. And, uh, you know, here we are in the playoffs and Ty Lue is still just trying things out. Yeah, I agree. It's I don't I don't get it. I think Ty Lue's a great coach. Obviously, Coach LeBron in Cleveland. And, you know, he has a track record worthy of, of you know, coaching this, this Clippers team. But I don't know what's going on, man. Like you said, so many guys in the rotation and it's – What's their best lineup? So many guys. It's just what's going on. Uh, I I don't I don't get it. 
you you would have to think by playoff time you have you have your best players you know figured out like like Mon- like we said about the Suns Monty Williams and the Suns they have seven guys maybe eight that they that they that they play come playoff time the important games but Monty Williams and most coaches know their best lineup they know their best rotations that they're going to play when to throw in guys and Tyloo and the Clippers won't have it something is off with this Clippers team uh, like I, like I said earlier, we're recording June eleventh. Uh, right now, the Clippers are down two zero against the Utah Jazz. They go down two zero back to back series this year. Something's off with them. Last year, we saw terrible, terrible series against the Nuggets. Uh, one of the, one of the worst chokes in a playoff series, I, I'd, I'd say, in the ever in the NBA. Um, something something ain't right, and it's about damn time we find out. Says Stephen A. But um, something ain't right. So yeah. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Knicks Hawks. Stay with us. And we're back. Let's move out to the Eastern Conference and talk about the first round series of the New York Knicks facing off against the Atlanta Hawks. Two teams, Aiden, at the start of the year that people didn't really know, uh, you know where they'd be. They end up in the 4-5 position out east. Um, I think both teams exceeded expectations in the regular season. They meet up in round one. This was a tough one for me to predict. You know, obviously both these teams have very little playoff experience, young teams. Uh, I didn't know how this one was going to go. The Atlanta Hawks end up taking it in just five games. That's all it took to close out the New York Knicks. Uh, we'll get to the Hawks. We'll get to Trey Young. But I want to start with the New York Knicks and Aiden. Similar to the Phoenix Suns, how about that MSG crowd? There ain't nothing like having playoff basketball in New York, not Brooklyn, not the Barclays Center. In New York City, in MSG, that fan base was bumping. What do you think contributes to that? Is it because it's the Mecca, it's New York City? Is it because they've had such a lack of playoff experience in the last, you know, however many years, similar to the Phoenix Suns? What did you think of that crowd, and what do you think makes them just so rowdy? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love I love sports. I love fans and sports, and 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 a lot. I think sports is nothing without the fans. Um, fans are so critical, so important. It really gives teams home court advantage. Um, but yeah, I think it's both. Um, I think it's it's they have not seen the next playoff basketball game in eight years. I think it was eight years. The Mecca Mecca basketball, New York City, Madison Square Garden, one of the most famous arenas in the world. Um, yeah, I think it's the fact that they went eight years without without playoff basketball, but that city just loves its next next team. New York City is a basketball town; it's a Knicks town. Um, yeah, I, the, the, one of the best fan bases I think um, in in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I was I was really excited to to see the fans how how they were, and I think after this this COVID pandemic, a year without fans, this is something that we're that we've taken for granted. We've all like we can all admit fans have just taken it for granted. Something I'll never, you know, I'll never look back on again. It's just it's just whatever, you know. Like having fans, it felt so special. And before you wouldn't even like think about this. If this was 2019, we didn't even like think about like like in Toronto. Um, yeah, you, you had uh, you had the whole country watching, of course. But you have you have uh, Jurassic Park outside. That's what it's called. I was looking for it. Jurassic Park. 
and like, yeah, you think it's cool. Like, that's so cool. You have all these like thousands and thousands of fans outside the stadium and inside one of the best atmospheres there ever was. But like, you don't even like really think about it too much. It's like, ah, oh, it's just part of the game. It gets taken away from us due to COVID. And now it's something that we'll never take for granted ever again. I'm so happy fans are back. Um, yeah, that Madison Square Garden was rocking. It's extremely telling that just across the bridge, they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Three of the best, not only shot creators, but three of the best players this league has to offer on one team, Aiden. And people are over on the other side of town cheering on Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel quickly, and the New York Knicks. That just goes to show, like you said, this is a Knicks town. It always will be. And, you know, that that atmosphere just made me smile because it was electric in that building. And even though they lost in five, I'm sure that every single one of those games was memorable for Knicks fans. I think a part of it is no, nobody expected the Knicks to be this good. They were way above what everybody thought. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year, and all of a sudden you're the four seed hosting a playoff series. That's like that's zero to hundred for these fans. So that I think that's another reason why they were just so so electrifying. Completely agree. You brought up some great points. I didn't even think about the COVID thing until right now. We definitely all took it for granted, and we won't again. Let's dive into this a little bit, Aiden. I want to start with Julius Randall. Maybe. Actually, not maybe. Definitely the most disappointing playoff performance, I think, of anyone in the entire league up to this point. Julius Randle obviously wins most improved player this year. He was the clear-cut number one for this team. Uh, he was a giant part of what led them to the playoffs. We talked about him in a previous podcast. Uh, Aiden and I both agreed that he didn't just put up good numbers, but he also made a real impact on winning, something that's very rare to do in this league. In this series, though, he didn't even lead them in scoring. Derek Rose did. Julius Randle, for the series, averaged 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. The numbers don't sound horrible, but they're not what he was doing in the regular season. The telling thing for me is that he shot... 29.8% from the field. Aiden, what went wrong for Julius Randle in the series? Was it, you know, just the pressure of being number one, the number one guy in New York City? Was it the fact that he's never been here before? Uh, what did you think of him in this series and what do you think contributed to his poor play? Definitely the most disappointing performance, individual performance so far in the playoffs. Uh, at least for sure, the, the worst performance out of anybody in, in round one that, you know, that, that's, that's a star player in this league. Um, you know, every, everybody everybody uh, jokes on Paul George for his performance, but this was right up there, man, Randall. Yeah. He, he sold, he sold, he sold. That's all it is, he sold. Um, but, yeah, he, I, I think it was just the pressure. It's his first ever playoff series. You're, you're, you're a star player for the New York Knicks, one of the biggest franchises in the league. Uh, and just like I said earlier with the Lakers and all of world sports, the Knicks and Lakers, all of world sports, one of the biggest franchises, and he's a star player, first ever playoff series. I, I think the moment was just a little too big for him, the way that he played. And that's very disappointing to say because he was he won some improved player this year. I loved his play all year. And we can both agree that, that the NBA is better when the New York Knicks are better and Madison Square Garden is rocking. And I would have loved 
to see Madison Square Garden in round two, but we didn't. This is such a mixed bag in terms of the New York Knicks roster. You know, they lose in five in the first round. They don't really make a playoff run. Uh, but just the fact that they got to where they did, Aiden, when you go down the line, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel, Kevin Knox, Alfred Payton, Frank Nilakina. You have Derek Rose uh, at the latter stages of his career leading them in points in this series. Uh, you have a young talent in R.J. Barrett and then your leader, Julius Randle. It's just such a mismatch of guys. Do you think, in your opinion, Aiden, was this season a disappointment for the Knicks because of how the playoffs went, because of how Julius Randle kind of under underperformed when the lights were shining brightest? Or was just making it here and just, you know, having that incredible regular season and finishing where they did in the Eastern Conference, does that alone make this season a success? What do you think? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it is a success. Last year, they finished 12th in the East. They finished 21-45. and 45. And now, jump ahead a year in your fourth place in the East in the regular season. Absolute success. Um, yeah, and it, the, this playoff series was disappointing. Uh, I think a lot of people were hoping for maybe a six, seven game series. Of course, uh, they only win one out one out of three at home in that in that rocking Madison Square Garden. Um, the Hawks take two out of three, obviously, but um, the season was was a success. Uh, Twenty one and forty five, like I just mentioned, two years or last year. Uh, you've had you've been right at the top of the lottery every single year last place many many years and this is just a huge jump for him the future is bright for new york city uh for julius randall uh, rj barrett canadian um who was of course a third pick a couple years ago in the zion john morant uh draft year but yeah uh success successful season and the future is bright let's jump over to the atlanta hawks who did end up winning this series aiden i was so impressed there were points in the hawks season they fired their coach this year. Things were looking bleak. I, at times, have thought about Trey Young as a young, entertaining, undersized point guard who can shoot from anywhere, who can get his own shot, but he doesn't necessarily impact winning. He doesn't get his teammates involved the way other point guards do. He doesn't you know, leave his mark on the game as the best players in the league does. And I think he proved me wrong in this series alone, Aiden. He averaged 29 points a game, three rebounds, 10 assists on 44% shooting. Trey Young was superb. Um, this is a guy who wants all the smoke, Aiden. We saw it. Game one, shushing the MSG crowd after knocking down the game winner. And then in their closeout game five, he gives New York City a bow on the way out. I love this type of stuff. I think a lot of times the league is too nice. Guys are too friendly with each other. Trey Young going right at the entire New York City team after putting on an incredible showing in round one in his first playoff performance ever. Loved every second of it. Absolutely loved it. What did you think of Trey Young? in particular in this series and how good is this kid? Oh he's he's star he's a star. He's a rising star in this league. He's only twenty two years old and that's what's crazy. 
Uh, we're going to talk about all this stuff later. Um, but this Atlanta Hawks team, I love them. John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, one of the best rebounders in the game. Bogdan Bodjanovic, Trey Young. Trey Young's a star, man. And terrific series. New York Knicks have found their new villain. Uh, obviously, back in back in the eighties and the nineties, it was uh, it was Reggie Miller. He was, you know, he's he's choking at Spike Lee. That's one of the famous NBA clips of all time, I think. And uh, and then you, you have Trey Young, game one, hushing the crowd, going off, going down the hallway to the dressing room, saying, "It's awfully quiet in here. It's pretty quiet in there." He shut him up. Game five takes a bow. Him and the Atlanta Hawks move on. He knocks the Knicks out. This is good for the NBA. We. The league needs more stuff like this. It's entertaining. It's going to draw in more fans. Um, and Trey Young just gained a lot of fans outside the state of New York. Before we move into our final series that we want to talk about today, <clears throat> Aiden, can we talk about maybe one of the biggest mishandlings I've ever seen? And, of course, I'm talking about the the Sacramento Kings declining to match the four-year $72 million offer sheet and it's what ultimately landed the free agent guard Bogdan Bogdanovic in Atlanta. Aiden, he was phenomenal. Um, their second leading scorer in this series, 14.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal and a half, and he shot 41%. Add this to our list of guys that anyone would want in a deep playoff run. We talked about Bridges. We talked about Tim Hardaway. I wouldn't go as far as calling Bogdan Bogdanovich a star, but Aiden, he's playing like he's pretty darn close. Um, What do you think of him and, you know, the Sacramento Kings again, again making a bad management decision, not re-signing this guy? This is the Sacramento Kings that we're talking about who picked Marvin Bagley second overall. Luka Doncic third, Trey Young fifth. Yeah, whoops. Uh, Sacramento, I think, is probably the worst worst franchise in the league. Uh, they've, I think, they've gone fourteen years, fifteen years without making the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, this is just another mess up by the Kings, and works out perfectly for Atlanta. He's a sniper. Him and his brother, who's on on the Utah Jazz, they're snipers. Man, they get in transition, they run immediately to the corners, and they hit a. Big three all the time. Any team, any team in the playoffs right now would want him. Uh, like you said, forty-one percent, thirty-three percent right now shooting from three. Those are great numbers. Uh, he's a great player, and yeah, he's not on the level of of Mikel Bridges, but he's he's a really really good four option, and he's playing like not a four option right now. Uh, you know, they, this this Hawks team, I I like them. They're fun to watch. They have really nice jer- jerseys. They're they're young. DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. This is a fun team to watch. And coming off the bench, you have Kevin Herter as well. You have you have six man Lou Will gets to eat those lemon pepper wings in Atlanta. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah uh, this is a fun team to watch. And obviously, I would have liked I think the Knicks to win that series just because it's the New York Knicks and it's a mecca of basketball. But I I picked the the Atlanta Hawks over the Philadelphia 76ers. I picked an upset. Uh, Philadelphia this year, of course, uh, finishes number one seed in the Eastern Conference, but the Atlanta Hawks have won 14 games in a row in Atlanta. They've won 14 straight home games. And I, I know we're kind of moving on to round two here a little bit, um, but I don't see Philadelphia even winning a game in Atlanta the way that they're playing at home. 14 in a row. 
so it's going to be tough, and I really like this Hawks team. Our final series of the day that we wanted to touch on, it's the number one seed Utah Jazz up against the number eight seed Memphis Grizzlies. <clears throat> the series only went five games. The Grizzlies took game one without uh, Donovan Mitchell. He didn't play game one. He was still recovering from his injury. He comes back for game two, and the Jazz end up winning four straight to close out the Grizzlies. Uh, Aiden, you watched more of this series than I did, uh, especially after game three. I thought that it was a wash. Uh, you know, Utah was going to win, which they did. But there were some takeaways from this series. Uh, one that stands out for me was just this young Grizzlies team getting some playoff experience. They had such a good showing in the play-in tournament. Uh, they had obviously that huge game against Golden State on the road to to even get a chance to be here and be in the playoffs. Ja Morant uh, really showing out as a number one guy. Uh, he played really well in this tournament and in the play-in tournament before. I just think that's really important for a young team like this uh, with, with a good young core to dip their feet in, um, get a little bit of playoff experience. Obviously, it, it didn't go as far as what you know they probably would have hoped it would have, but I still think overall it's a successful year for them. Uh, Aiden, what do you think of the Grizzlies, how they performed? Uh, you mentioned the playing tournament last year in the bubble, they, they lose in the playing tournament to Portland. Um, but th so they come back this year, they're in the same position. They roll the Spurs at home and then they go, they, they go to uh, San Francisco and they beat MVP runner up Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Um, a lot of people picked Golden State to win that game. They upset him. So I'm, I'm happy for, for Memphis. I, I like them because they, they have Dylan Brooks, Canadian, young, young star player. John Morant's so fun to watch. He's he's going to be a premier point guard in the league for years to come. And some say like he, he's almost there already. And he's young as well. He's only 21 years old. 21. So um, the future's so bright. And also they, they have Jonas Valanciunas. He, he's a walking double-double. Obviously, we as Raptors fans, as Canadians, we've seen him for many years with the Raptors. Um, but he's really performed well. Of course, he gets traded in the Marcus Gasol trade uh, in 2019. Um, but he's he's really performed well. He's he's been quiet. Like Memphis is a small town NBA market. Not a lot of people you know know a lot about the Memphis Grizzlies. But he's really performed well. And that game one series, that game one in in uh, the first round against Utah and Salt Lake City, it's they they win one twelve one oh nine. John Morant has twenty six. Dylan Brooks has thirty one. Valanciunas has fifteen and twelve. Uh, Kyle Anderson had 14 for him, so that was a that was a really 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 good game by, by Memphis. And some people were saying that they're gonna beat they're gonna beat the Utah Jazz. It was game one. They didn't Utah didn't have Donovan Mitchell. They go to game two. The Jazz put up 141 points. John Morant balls out for Memphis, 47 points. Dylan Brooks has 23 again. But you flip over to this Jazz team. Mitchell has 25 points. Listen, listen to the stat line for for Utah. I didn't realize how good it was until now. Mitchell had 25. Royce O'Neal had 14. Bojanovic had 18. Rudy Gobert had 21. Conley had 20. Joe Ingles had 14. Jordan Clarkson had 16. That sounds like a good team when, when, you, when you're like simming 2K games in my league. That yeah. doesn't even sound real, Aiden. I know. I know. So 
obviously once once Utah Jazz once Utah Jazz got uh, Donovan Mitchell back, it was a completely different series. Uh, but all of these games were tight. Like game two, yeah, like it was tight right until the end, and then Utah pulled away last few few minutes. They win that game. 141, 129, 12 point margin. Game three in Memphis, it was a tight game right until the last few minutes. Utah beats them by 10. Game four in Memphis again, Utah only wins by seven. And it was a four point game. I remember I watched that entire game. It was a four point game until you know the late game free throws, and it's a seven point win. And then and then Utah kind of blows them out game five at home to close out the series. But the future is very bright. Like I just mentioned for the Knicks, the future is bright for the Grizzlies. They have a couple young budding stars and John Morant and Canadian Dylan Brooks. Uh, and I really hope as Canadians that, that we get to watch Memphis because Brooks, he's one of Canada's best basketball players already in, in the NBA. And, you know, I'm a huge supporter of, of Canada basketball. I think this is probably the best Canada basketball team we've ever seen right now. A lot of young stars in the league. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, but the Utah Jazz, they're, they're number one in the NBA for a reason. They finished this year first place in the West. First place uh, overall in the league. They have home court throughout the entire year. They finished 52-20, and 20, and people were writing them off like, yeah, it's a good regular season. And uh, they've had comparisons to the, what, the, it was the 2015 Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, they've had comparisons to that team who, who went on to win 50-plus games that year and lose uh, to, to uh, the Cavaliers. But um, th- this team, they're, they're snipers. They shoot the ball excellent. They have six man of the year Jordan Clarkson, six man of the year runner up in Joe Ingles, defensive player of the year in uh, Rudy Gobert, three time champion now. I just won that the other day. Um, this Jazz team is scary. It's very good. They shoot the lights out. They're good defensively. They have really good bench depth. Um, yeah, they, they're they're a great great team this year. And uh, I I found this series really intriguing. I watched every game. Uh, all the games were tight. I, I really enjoyed it. Can I make the argument against the Jazz? Yep. Here's why I don't think they're going to win a championship or maybe even come out of the West. You go back and look. Let's start at 2015. Let's go over the NBA champions starting at 2015. 2015, Golden State Warriors, Steph, he's the MVP. 2016, LeBron James, the best player in the world. 2017, Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant. 2018, Kevin Durant. 2019, Kawhi Leonard. 2020, LeBron James. Aiden, all of these teams, championship teams, have one thing in common. They are led by a top four, top five guy in the league. That is what the Utah Jazz are lacking. Now, you definitely get some oddities in there. You take a look at the 2014 Spurs. Kawhi Leonard, I think, only averaged 18 or 19 points as the finals MVP. He wasn't the Kawhi Leonard that he was in Toronto in 2019. Um, 2004, the Detroit Pistons, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace. They didn't have, you know, that superstar guy. But these cases are extremely rare. Now, this isn't to undermine Donovan Mitchell and say he's not that guy. But Donovan Mitchell's not a top five, top eight guy in the NBA yet, at least in my opinion. Uh, Can he get there one day? Maybe. I just don't think he's there yet. And coming down the stretch in the Western Conference Finals, in the NBA Finals, I think that for the most part, 
the team that's going to come out on top is going to have, you know, a guy on their team who is one to five, the best player in the NBA. What do you think of that argument? Oh, it's terrific argument. And that's exactly why everybody has discredited the Jazz this year. They finished first in the West, first in the NBA, 52 and 20, terrific season. But for that exact argument right there, people don't have faith in them. But talk about Donovan Mitchell. In his in his uh, playoff games so far in this 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 year, he's averaging six games. He's averaging thirty three points per game in six games in the playoffs. He's lighting it up, thirty three points, five and a half assists per game, and he's shooting forty eight percent from the field, forty two percent from three point. And yeah, he's not LeBron James. He's not Kawhi Leonard, and he's not. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all these players that you mentioned, but he's, is it time that we look at Donovan Mitchell? He's only 24 years old. Is it time that we look at him? Is he, is, is this moment in time where we say he is a star in this league? Like, obviously we've known he's, he's a budding star, but do we face that he is a bona fide star? I think that brings us nicely into the last point that we wanted to wrap up our podcast with. And that is, just all the young talent that we are seeing in these playoffs. Aiden, I saw a stat the other day. This is the first time in 11 years since 2010 that neither LeBron James or Steph Curry will be in the finals. That is craziness. So, you know, the two big dogs that have dominated the 2010s, they're not here anymore. But who is here? We have young guys, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell we talked about, John Morant. Uh, I would include Jason Tatum. Obviously, his his Celtics had a kind of a tough year, and Jalen Brown was hurt, but I think he had a breakout year. You could include him in there. Uh, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. We're seeing all these young guys of the next generation kind of come to fruition here. Aiden, what do you think of this kind of passing of the torch from the stars that, we, that we've seen dominate the last 10 years to this brand new generation. How exciting is that? It's really exciting for the NBA. Um, yeah, the new generation is here and they're performing. Um, so far in the playoffs, look at all the stars that have just balled out. John Moran at 47 points in a game. He's 21 years old. Luka Doncic, we talked about him. He's 22. DeAndre Ayton, first overall pick in that draft, 2018, 22 years old. Trey Young, 22 years old. We talked about him. Jason Tatum's 23. He's been in the Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals already. And we've talked many times about the Celtics this year. They've struggled. Injury season, whatever. They'll be back stronger next year. But he's 23. Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, both 24 years old. The future is now. LeBron James is out this year. Obviously, he, like I, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting LeBron. I said earlier, he was, he's one healthiest best player in the world still at 36 years old. And he'll be 37 next year. Um but he's out. Giannis is on the brink of being out. Anthony Davis is out. Um, Kawhi Leonard is on the verge of being out. He's down 2-0 right now. The young stars are here. Um, the future is now. And and this Lamella Ball, he's 19. He won Rookie of the Year. Um, so Bam Adebayo as well. That's another guy. He's only 23, starting center for the Miami Heat. Um, I... 
this is an exciting time for the NBA. And in a way, is this kind of the passing of the torch, you think? Is this where a moment we might look back at 2021 playoffs was was kind of somewhat a passing of the torch? I definitely think it could be. And, you know, Aiden, if we look at the teams that are left in the playoffs here, I think the most recent championship won by a team that's left was something like the 1982 Philadelphia 76ers. It was, you know, 30, 40 years ago here. Most of these teams playing in the playoffs have never won a championship. Most of these guys playing in the playoffs, if you exclude, you know, teams like the Brooklyn Nets have never won an NBA championship before. I think this playoffs could definitely be, you know, seen as that true passing of the torch moment. And I'll ask you this, Aiden, what do you think of the people who are complaining on Twitter? I've seen a couple news articles saying the NBA's big stars are out. So ratings for the NBA finals and the rest of the playoffs are going to plummet. Is it time for people to accept that you know, your favorite star is not going to be around forever. But look, we have this brand new crop of kids who are just as intriguing, if not more, and they're here, they're cementing themselves, and, you know, they're getting their foot in the door. Yeah, uh, it's perfectly said. I think right now we just have to appreciate greatness. Uh, we have to look back and say LeBron James is 36 years old. He might only have three years left in, in this league. Dwayne Wade, he retired a couple years ago. Dirk Nowitzki, the old the – old, the, the 2000s generation is is fading. There's not many left, but the new kids are here. This is 2020. Well, it's 2021, but the 2020s decade is going to be filled with those stars that I said. They're going to be the best players in the league, and some already are. You know, a top five player like Luka Doncic, and um, you know, th- this is this is a moment in time where we're 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 at a moment where the old generation is near the end, and the new generation is right starting to pick up. So. Um, I don't know. If, if you're a true basketball fan, you, you, you just have to sit there. You have to appreciate greatness while we have it, and just accept that that there's that there's limited time for, for those for these older guys and and these kids, these young players are here and they're here for a reason and they are the future of the NBA. Just before we finish up here, I know you wanted to uh, quickly talk about European soccer. I don't even know what it's called. I'm completely clueless with this type of stuff, but I think it's nice we're touching on other sports. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be completely Aiden. I unfortunately have nothing to add on this, but Aiden, you wanted to talk about uh, what's it called, the Euro Cup or whatever. Go ahead, the floor is yours. What you got? All right. So, right now, June 11th, uh, the first game, uh, the Euro 2020. This was supposed to be last summer, but obviously the COVID pandemic halted it. We're exactly one year. Uh, passed from when it was supposed to start, but it started today, June 11th. The first game today was Italy versus Turkey. Italy won three nothing. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk about uh, this 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 Euro that's going to happen. It's going to be going on for the next month. Um, this is the best of the best in Europe. The best players, the best teams, uh, facing off against each other. And and I, we today golfing. You're asking like, what's this kind of what's this kind of responding to in terms of like Canada hockey and. Like obviously the world the World Cup of soccer is is the biggest sport sporting event in the world. Uh, many would say that the World Cup of soccer is even bigger than the Olympics. Um, but this is this is just this is just the European teams. But it's it's the Olympics of just the European teams. This is the biggest event there is uh, besides the World Cup. Um, but I'm just gonna kind of give a brief rundown, uh, make some predictions here. Um, so there's there's six groups that goes up to Group F. Uh, four teams in each group. 
uh, top two in each group move on, and then the next four best third place teams will move on. So there's 24 teams, and uh, um, uh, 20 make it. No, 18 make it. Excuse me, into the round of 16. Uh, group A: Italy, Switzerland, Wales, Turkey. Uh, my prediction for that group is Italy on top and Wales finishing second. And I think Turkey will have a good enough record to move on uh, to the round of 16. Group B, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russian. Belgium, one of the best teams in the world. Uh, they have a star-studded lineup. They have the, one of the best strikers, Romelu Lukaku. Dorney, do you even know what I'm talking about right now? I've never heard that name in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, Belgium, one of the best players in the world. And strikers and Romelu Lukaku. Um, uh, Belgium, I think, rolls through this group. I think, uh, I think Russia finishes second, and then going on to Group C, Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia. This is the first ever tournament that North Macedonia has ever played uh, in in the Euro. I think they're going to get absolutely rolled, but good for them making it because it was a it was a long hard process for them even just to be here. Uh, but this is this is this is a a, a pretty weak group, I'd say. I, I do have the ne- Netherlands coming on top, and then Austria finished second. Group D. Uh, this is this is quite an interesting group. We have uh, Croatia, who in twenty eight in the twenty eighteen Russia World Cup they were in the finals. They lost to France, but they made it to the World Cup finals. Uh, this is kind of the last kick of the can for this this golden generation of, of Croatian soccer. Then you have the Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Uh, England is one of the tournament favorites. They're filled with young stars. Uh, this, I know I've I've mentioned this phrase so many times in this episode. But the future is so bright for English soccer. They have so many young stars. Um, I, I do think England wins this group and Croatia uh, finishes second. And then uh, I would probably have Czech Republic third and Scotland fourth. And then Group E, it's quite the difficult group. Uh, Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. Um, Poland, you have Robert Lewandowski, the best striker in the world. Uh, he, he was he was hands down the best player in the world last year. Um uh, but yeah, I, I have, I, Spain's they're, they're not Spain. Like they, Spain went on a three year, 2008, they won the Euro 2010. They won the world cup 2012. They won the Euro. So they won the three biggest tournaments back to back to back, but this is not the Spain that, that we saw a decade ago, but I do have Spain still on top of this group. And I have Sweden finishing second. They're tough tough team Poland third and Slovakia eliminated and then group F this is the group that I was looking forward to the most um I'm wearing my Germany jersey right now uh but you have France Germany Portugal and Hungary put this in context how good this is this is named the group of death um like I said top two teams move on guaranteed and then the four best third place teams move on it's just based off points doesn't matter if you know if, if you're a team like Germany who's is one of the best teams in the world. If you finish third, and if you if you only have one point, you're not making it through. So, um, France they won the 2018 World Cup, uh, Germany won the 2014 World Cup, and Portugal won the 2016 Euro. So the last three big tournament world champions are in this group. Um, it's it's so tough. It's going to be dogfight every game. But I have France winning this winning this group. Portugal coming second, and unfortunately, I have my my country Germany finishing third. Um, I'm, I'm part German, I'm part British. So, you know, I have, uh, I'm cheering for England and Germany. Um, but this is going to be difficult, but, uh, so that, that was, that was kind of quickly my, my quick brief group rundown. Uh, my overall tournament champion, I have France winning. Uh, they have Kylian Mbappe, 20, 21 years old, already one of the best players in the world. He's, he's going to be the next best player of, of our generation. And in my opinion, 
Um, but yeah, I, I have France beating. I don't even know. I think it's I think it's going to re- be a rematch of, of Group F. I think I I have France beating Portugal in Euro twenty twenty final. Um, but I know soccer is very very much mixed opinions. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It's my favorite sport in the world. I love it more than hockey. I love it more than basketball. I love it more than football. Um, uh, I'm going to be dialed in every single day watching these games, and this is just a great this is a great time for I think Canadians to to really see how how good the sport is, because in 2026, five years from now, the World Cup, the biggest sporting event in the world, is coming to Canada. It's coming to Edmonton. It's going to be at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, you know, we really need to. I think as Canadians, we have. Alfonso Davies, best left back in the world from Edmonton. Um, I think uh, we, we, we really need to come to grip with, with the sport of soccer and, and support it. And this is this is a great chance to watch some of the world's best, you know, play against each other. And it's going to be a great tournament. Uh, England, England, Germany, France, Portugal, are Belgium, I think, are kind of the top five favorites. Italy's a dark horse this year. Uh, they've struggled as late last couple of years, but... Um, yeah, this is going to be a terrific, terrific month of soccer. Um, I'm really excited for it. And I don't know if anybody's even listening anymore because, you know, it's been a long episode and I'm moving on to soccer talk, but there it is. Uh, there, there's my Euro 2021, very brief five minute rundown. I'm excited for it and go England and go Germany. And I think that segment was really well done. I honestly can say that I learned more about soccer in those five minutes than I have in my entire life. Um, and you know, that world cup comes to Edmonton and I would for sure go, go watch games. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, am I at the point where I turn on a soccer game on TV right now? Probably not, but if it was here and I could go experience the best in the world, go play their sport right here in Edmonton. I think that would be an incredible experience. Um, and and it's definitely something to look forward to. Um, that's our round one recap. We covered a lot today. Like you said, this episode went a long time. Stay tuned. Next week, we have a special guest coming on. Uh, Round two won't quite be wrapped up, but we'll talk about some narratives, some storylines that are going on in round two. We'll also talk about just general NBA stuff. I'm not going to give away who the guest is quite yet, but that's coming at you later next week. Aiden, anything to say before we sign off here on episode 10? No, we killed it. We're 10 episodes in. Look at that. Um, I'm having so much fun with this. I think we're doing pretty, pretty, pretty good job. Um, lots of fun. So, yeah, that's really about it. That's all I got. We went long. So We're now officially double the average lifespan of a podcast. Yep. Yeah, I did say that earlier. Uh, good for us. Look at us go. On the run, baby. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Stay tuned for episode 11 coming at you, like I said, late next week. Take it easy. Peace out. See you later.